Welcome to the Family Beacon Podcast from Minnesota Family Council with hosts Grace Evans and Moses Bratchard. Stay informed on the top stories on life, family, and religious freedom. Get the facts, stand for truth. Hello and welcome back to the Family Beacon Podcast. My name is Grace Evans. I'm here with Moses Bratchard. Today on the Family Beacon Podcast, we will be discussing three main stories. We're going to be talking about unprecedented and terrorist attacks on pro-life centers across the country, including one of our sister organizations in Wisconsin. We'll also be discussing uh, our Senator Amy Klobuchar's uh, stance on abortion and her um, total backing of abortion rights, as she calls them. Finally, we'll be discussing Target's new Pride Month clothing line. First, though, Moses, before we get into all of these topics, wow, packed week. I feel like we said that every single week. Mm-hmm. We are we have been up to so many things here at MFC. Isn't that right? Yeah. We First of all, I mean, session is going to be ending on May 23rd. So our assistant director of public policy is down at the Minnesota Capitol almost every single day, um, working to change hearts and minds, push the legislation that will uphold the values that you hold dear, life, family, and religious freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as the Church Ambassador Network team is down there praying with our legislators because we know that prayer uh, changes hearts and minds and breaks down political barriers. Mm-hmm. However, we also have something else coming up, right, Moses? As a woman, I am so excited. <laughs> excited to announce that we have a very excited, exciting speaker who will be joining us at our annual dinner. She was a former White House press secretary, and I am beyond thrilled to meet her. Moses, give us the details on this. So get ready on June 17th to join us for the Minnesota Family Council annual dinner at the Hilton in Bloomington, and our uh, keynote speaker is Kaylee McEnany. Woo! So excited. And it is it is very exciting. And we've heard uh, already from so many people who are really excited about this. Um, so for those of you, I mean, probably almost all of you are familiar with, mm-hmm. with Kaylee McEnany. But um, inspiration, she, truly. Uh, she is not only not only did she um, not only did she show that she has what it takes to uh, to be, you know, the president's uh, spokeswoman uh, at the the highest levels of American politics, but she also is a faithful Christian. And has a and, baby. And she has a baby. Sweet little baby girl. <laughs> and um and so she she has an amazing story and she mm-hmm. is going to be I, I know she's gonna hit it out of the park. Dynamite. Absolutely dynamite. Yeah, yeah. So so if you want to join us on uh, on June seventeenth. So first of all I should note that for those of you who are thirty and under, we do have special discounted tickets. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think is really fitting because our speaker this year is is a, quite a young person herself. I think she's thirty one or thirty two. And uh, so remember, uh, get those get that youth discount. We also have discounts for pastors. Uh, so if you are a, a serving minister or if you're your spouses, we'd love to have you guys join us at the uh, annual dinner. You can go to mfc.org slash AD2022 to get tickets, and we look forward to seeing you on June 17th. Yeah, it's on our screen here as well. And I just as a very quick reminder, you know, we talk a lot about turning Minnesota into a pro-life state, and we have uh, lots of belief that this will happen. We have so much confidence. If you want to know what it takes to turn Minnesota pro-life, we want to see you there at the dinner. We're going to be hearing a lot of information on what it takes to, to fight for these values and to just see these values instilled. So we'll see you at the dinner, right, Moses? Absolutely. So excited. So I want to talk um, about, and I think this is a little bit like people may not realize how slightly scary this is for us yeah. because 
where Minnesota Family Council and our friends at Wisconsin Family Council um, found themselves uh, the victim of a of a terrorist attack this mm-hmm. week, which is just insane to say. So, Grace, do you want to tell us more about that? Yeah, just a brief summary for you guys. Um, it was on Sunday morning that their office in Wisconsin was broken into. We have a lot of allied organizations across the states. Um, Family Policy Council, so we're the Minnesota Family Policy Council, but there's also one in Wisconsin. And their office, it's basically like MFC's office getting broken into, but in Wisconsin, their office was broken into early on Sunday morning and by a leftist anarchist group. And Moses will talk more about that group specifically. But they threw two Molotov cocktails into the office that did not fully ignite, uh, praise God. But um, windows were broken. They then did proceed to light a fire because the Molotov cocktails did not fully ignite. And the these terrorists also post uh, spray painted spray painted this message outside of their office on the wall of their office outside. Um, it said it reads, "If abortions aren't safe, then you aren't either." And if you look at the pictures, which we'll have on the screen right now, that picture of the the writing as well as another picture, you can look and see what the in inside looks like um, of the Wisconsin Family Action Office. You know, it's there's burn marks on the wall, scorch marks. There's just the furniture is ruined. Books are completely torn up. It really is just a disastrous picture. Um, so they were attacked attacked purely for their pro-life beliefs, mm-hmm. um, for standing for life in law from the moment of conception. So Jillian Appling, who's the president of Wisconsin Family Action, Moses, she issued this following statement. While this attack was directly provoked by the leaked draft opinion from the U.S. Supreme Court in the Dobbs case earlier this week, this has a far broader implication. Apparently, the tolerance that the left demands is truly a one-way street. Violence has become their answer to everything. This is what happens when leadership is missing or when leadership implies that violence is okay. She goes on to say more than that, but that's part of her statement, and I think she's right that as Americans, we do see through the hypocrisy of progressives um, when they're saying they're pro-women's choices, but then they're coming and they're attacking groups that advocate for women to have the right, right. the option to get birth, right? And I think it's um, it was interesting. Jillian Appling, president, again, of Wisconsin Family Action, actually went on Tucker Carlson as, in an interview, which, so which was cool. really awesome. And a point that Tucker Carlson made in this interview was we've seen a lot of mainstream media, um, such as you know, New York Times, Washington Post, coming out and saying things like, a fire was started in Wisconsin Family Action's office yeah. or pro-life group, a, a fire breaks out in a pro-life group center's office, but they're not coming out with headlines saying... It wasn't a gas leak, guys. No. <laughs> it was arson. <laughs> yeah, they're not coming out and saying, actually, pro-abortion terrorists came in and tried to do some serious damage to Wisconsin Family Action. I think the thing to take away from this, though, is we are more resolved than ever, and so is our, so are our allies in Wisconsin. We're more resolved than ever to fight for the preborn. This does not deter us. No act of violence will make us make us waver on our beliefs. In fact, this only makes me want to fight all the harder. Absolutely. I, I, I look at this and I think, you know, that's really not the side that I want to be on, and I hope that's not the side that any of any any Minnesotan wants to be on. I want to be on the side of protecting life from womb to tomb. And yeah, so 
that was an attempt from some terrorists. Moses, tell us more about this terrorist organization. Yeah, so I think I think the the chilling part, in addition to the Molotov cocktails that you mentioned, um, was that the 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 graffiti on the wall, which said, mm-hmm. "If abortions aren't safe, then neither are you." So this idea that there there needs to be an all out war against groups who are defending the unborn, and a a, um, a statement was released. Um, by a group that is claiming responsibility uh, called Jane's Revenge. Mm -hmm. I think the latest on this is that authorities in Wisconsin are trying to determine uh, who this is and, and, and find them and press charges against them. The statement is a little bit, a little bit chilling. I'm going to read a couple bits from it. Um, It says, this is not a declaration of war. War has been upon us for decades, a war which we did not want and did not provoke. Too long have we been attacked for asking for basic medical care. Too long have we been shot, bombed, and forced into childbirth without consent. So we see the idea that abortion is, quote, basic medical care instead of the the willful uh, and completely optional taking of a child's life. Um, So they go on to say, We demand the disbanding of all anti-choice establishments, fake clinics, and violent anti-choice groups. I guess that's us. (laughs) Within the next 30 days. Oh, okay. Uh, Start the clock ticking. Uh, This is not a mere difference of opinion, etc. We are literally fighting for our lives. That is so false. You Mm -hmm. You are... committing terrorist attacks, and as terrorists often uh, do, claiming to just be acting in self-defense, claiming to uh, to be um, fighting for our lives, mm-hmm. uh, when, of course, what abortion is is not the taking of a woman's life or even the taking of a, a right of a, a woman's rights over her own body, but uh, abortion is the taking of another life, a life that is not under anyone's uh, control because it's an independent life created by God. So I just, um, I think that's a point though that you're making of, you know, groups like this thrive in darkness, right? And they have to use these euphemisms to talk about what they're talking about. Like they're, they're, they're using these euphemisms of women's rights to fight for what they're fighting for. And, you know, whenever a group has to use euphemisms, you wonder what they're really advocating for, which is abortion. Um, it's just, yeah, it's, it's interesting if they have to use these sound good terms like women's health care, then we really need to press in on what they're actually advocating for, which Moses, as you pointed out, they're advocating for the direct and intentional murder of an innocent human child. Right, right. Yeah, it's not it's not assisted suicide anymore. It's death with dignity. And it's not abortion anymore. Mm-hmm. It's reproductive health care, mm-hmm. a- as you say. So um, the group concludes by saying, um, Wisconsin is the first flashpoint, but we are all over the U.S. and we will issue no further warnings. We will not stop, we will not back down, and we will not hesitate to strike until the inalienable right to manage our own health is returned to us. So obviously those are, uh, those are, uh, oh yeah, oh, here it comes. Uh, We are not one group, but many. We are in your city. We are in every city. Your repression only strengthens our accompliceship and resolve. Accompliceship is not a word. So in addition to their crimes against uh, the state of Wisconsin, also crimes against grammar. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay so so this is this is a little bit a little bit chilling um yeah, that yeah. so this this pro-abortion group is issuing an ultimatum to all pro-life groups mm-hmm. telling them to shut down within 30 days <laughs> um you know it's really oh it's it's just it's such a like i really i really do hope grace that our mm-hmm. society can survive this this battle yeah. over abortion yeah. 
it um it makes me think of something that I've studied a little bit, which is the the troubles in Northern Ireland mm. uh, in the 1970s and the 1980s, and there's just this vicious war between communities, Protestants and Catholics, and ultimately. It was it was never really about uh, religion, at least not not in the last fifty years. But it it became so uh, so brutal, and the and the escalations on both sides kept uh, kept going that it uh, became an international tragedy. Mm. So I'm not saying we're going for a civil war, nor am I one for for one minute at saying that the pro life side is. Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely not. No. Right, uh, we're not morally. We are we are trying to protect women and save the lives of children, because abortion always kills a child, always hurts a woman. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're doing. But now. One thing that I find interesting, Grace, is that there was a vote in the U.S. Senate uh, on a a desperate and also failed attempt to codify uh, Roe v. Wade into federal law. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not really sure why uh, Majority Leader Chuck Schumer thinks that he could get 60 votes to do this when he had 49. (laughs) But um, at any rate, we are... uh, So if this law was passed, basically what it would do, right, is it would... It would it would mandate that abortion be legal in all fifty states up to the moment of birth. That's right. It would yeah. do what Roe v. Wade does now, and it's interesting. But in fifty years of Roe v. Wade, Congress has never taken that mm-hmm. step. It is not federal law. It's just a Supreme Court precedent, uh, which is a serious thing, uh, but can be overturned. Uh, so, the uh, how did our senators vote, uh, Grace, in that uh, in, on that? To, did they vote to protect life or? Or not. Well, you know, I really want to highlight Amy Klobuchar on this issue because she has really just been tweeting up a firestorm recently. Oh, boy. Um, about abortion, right, abortion rights. Maybe she's thinking of running for president again. Because <laughs> it went probably so be well the first time. That would probably be pretty <laughs> short-lived, let's be real. Um, so she's been tweeting a lot of things. Um, there's a lot I could read. I One thing she recently t- she tweeted, I think this was yesterday, she said, no, the Senate bill codifying Roe did not pass, but tomorrow we get up and we fight again. And in November, we take that fight right to the ballot box. And you know what? To that, Moses, I say, great, we'll see you there. Yeah. We will see you at the ballot box. Um, something else I want to highlight, though, is she – we've been seeing this a lot on Twitter. I've been seeing this a lot on Twitter by so many um, people that are pro-abortion. They've been saying – They've been saying something along these lines, and this is something that that Amy tweeted. She said, we cannot allow a world where our daughters have fewer rights than their mothers and grandmothers. I've been seeing this by so many people, and here truly, truly, truly is the irony. Again, this movement hides hides under these euphemisms, right? This sounds so good. This sounds so good. But the reality is, Amy Klobuchar, along with many other people that are very pro-abortion, have advocated for killing America's daughters, one-fourth of America's daughters, one-fourth of my generation. They've advocated for killing these women, these these preborn women. So these daughters, these granddaughters, will barely exist. Yeah. So she's talking about taking away these rights of mothers. She thinks that we're going to live in a world where we have less rights than our mothers and grandmothers. The reality is, so we've had, there's a lot of people saying, we're going back to the dark ages, right, Moses? Mm-hmm. We're going back to the dark ages is what they say. You know, if, if we overturn Roe, then women just won't have rights. Well, the reality is we're really in the dark ages right now, Moses. Mm-hmm. We are truly in the dark, dark ages. When Roe was legalized, Moses, 
we went back to the dark ages. Absolutely. This was not a free moment yeah. for America. This shining beacon of, oh, look, now women, it is legal for women to have their babies murdered. This is not a shining moment for America. In fact, the legal legalization of baby murder isn't progressive at all. It's actually very archaic. I mean, if you look in, in history, uh, Christians, or I should say pagans, would sacrifice their, they would sacrifice their children to Moloch. Yeah. A false god. They would literally kill their children to, to win favor for Moloch. I mean, we also saw the massacre of the innocents in, in the biblical narrative um, where right. all children under two were murdered. We've also seen in ancient Rome, we know from history in ancient Rome that young girls were often thrown out on the streets because they were the wrong gender and they were murdered. Yeah. This is, those things are rightly seen as terrible, right? Child sacrifice is terrible. But the point I'm trying to make is child sacrifice is as old as history. It's been around forever. And the only legal. people who have successfully fought <laughs> against child sacrifice are Christians. Mm -hmm. Christians changed uh, the, uh, Roman uh, Roman Roman practice and eventually Roman law to ban abortion and ban <laughs> the exposure of children. Yeah. Uh, sorry to cut you off mid flow, but I wanted to say that like Christianity is the reason why mm -hmm. we now see these things as evil and abhorrent. Absolutely. So I guess the main point I want to make is it really is just, to me, it's ridiculous that we're still having this debate. She, Amy Klobuchar, also tweeted out, um, this was before the Senate voted. She said, the Senate votes on codifying Roe into law today. It shouldn't even be a question. To that, I say, absolutely, it should not even be a question. Right. I really can't believe that we are still having this debate. Is it okay for ch preborn children to be, to be ripped uh, limb from limb in the womb? Is that okay? That's the debate we're still having in America. Are we really a progressive society? No. We advocate for these things that throughout history, history has seen as wrong, but we still think that this should be legal. Why is this up for debate? I truly don't know. Honestly, most days I'm like, why Why are we debating this in our country? Yeah. Um, so we're not going back to the dark ages in our goal of reversing Roe, and I think Roe will fall. We're not going to go back to the dark ages if Roe is abolished. We're actually going to be successfully putting immorality back where it belongs into a state of illegality because when um unfortunately in america a lot of the times things that are seen as legal are seen as moral for instance like slavery was legal so it was seen as moral so what uh, overturning roe would do would be to show that it's not actually legal so in a lot of people's minds this would change and they would think oh maybe it isn't moral right, right. now people think oh legal legality equals morality so what we're going to see if we overturn Roe is not going back to the Dark Ages. It's actually going to be showing America progressing and valuing life in the women, also valuing women. So I'll get off my soapbox, but it's just, it really yeah. is ridiculous. Some of the things that, that she's been tweeting out, it's just, it's so twisted and convoluted. And I just imagine her like addressing, addressing a, you know, a room full of, um, like, imagine this, like a room full of, of babies. Yeah. And she's like, a baby's in the womb. And she's like, you know, you are our future. You are our future uh, leaders. You know, you you're our, the the, uh, the the girls who are going to take control of the next but generation. I don't want you to a have quarter <laughs> of you we're going to kill. We're going to kill a quarter of you. Okay, so because you we guys don't want can you to just... have fewer rights than your mothers and grandmothers. Yeah, yeah, and 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 oftentimes that choice is going to be made based on your sex or uh, or perhaps disability. based on your, your disability or even your race. And um, and that's going to be fine with me. And that's me. progressive. Yeah, apparently. but those of you that's who make it through the magic of the birth canal, we're going to make sure you uh, you are you have everything you need, sweethearts. It's kind of it's kind of like that, isn't it? It's really icky. It's yeah. really really icky. It I I truly don't see how people that are smart can think that and and know what goes on in abortion can actually support it. Honestly, like you actually have to be wicked to know what happens in an abortion. 
and still fully support it. I mean, either people are misinformed and they just, they're just, they're ignorant. They don't know what happens in an abortion or they know because the science is so clear that life begins at conception. The science is indisputable. Like 97% of biologists agree on that. The question really is, is that worth, is that life worth anything? Is it worthy of life? Is it worthy of of being born? Um, And a lot of people will argue, no, it really is just disgusting. Moses, another another one of our senators, right? Can you give us some? Yeah. Some so on? so not only did we have Senator Klobuchar, who often on her good days is uh, somewhat more moderate than other um, uh, other members of of the Senate, but Senator Tina Smith uh, is the the junior senator from Minnesota, and um, she's also the most uh, the highest ranking former Planned Parenthood executive to be in American politics. She was the she was a vice president of. Um, public relations, I think, for Planned Parenthood of Minnesota. And then she very easily uh, and quickly jumped into Democratic politics Mm -hmm. and later became lieutenant governor and now senator. And um, she is uh, well known as um, an extremist on the abortion issue. Of course she is. She worked for Planned Parenthood. And so her tweets have been kind of like the same, uh, basically the same as Amy Klobuchar's. You don't have to look these up to, to to see it. You don't have to put yourself through that, except that Tina Swift swears more. And that's supposed to, I think, connect with like younger left wing voters uh, because she's really trying to like shed this idea that she's just this nice Minnesota moderate and really play for the left wing, mm. left the left wing vote. So uh, Senator Smith, uh, who was bought and paid for by Planned Parenthood, is doing the same thing. Both of our senators voted to codify Roe v. Wade in federal law. Neither of them are up for election this fall. But soon we will have a chance to, to as Minnesotans, to show whether we want um, pro-abortion uh, leaders representing us in the Senate. And I, I, for one, hope the answer is no. So, Grace, our last story today is something that we, you know, we always question whether we need to talk about this because it is a sensitive topic. Content warning, we're going to be discussing um, uh, uh, transgender identification among kids and uh, and uh, the anatomy, human anatomy a little bit. Um, so, but we thought, we think that it's really important to talk about this because mm-hmm. it's it involves Target, which is a Minnesota-based company. So Target thinks that we as Minnesotans apparently uh, are going to approve of this. And second of all, because it really is targeting kids. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about Target's Pride Month line. Yeah. So as we know, Moses, you know, June is Pride Month. And as I saw this story becoming so popular over the last week, I just kept thinking, you know, June really is the month for woke corporations like Target, just a virtue signal so that they're not blacklisted as being hateful or intolerant. And I have to say Target has truly outdone themselves this time. We, uh, this is Daily Wire uh, reporting on Target's new pride line. This is their attempt to just show themselves to be virtuous and to be on the side of tolerance, to be on the side of trans identifying people. Um, Again, Daily Wire reporting on what this pride line will include. Kids' items in the Target Pride collection include toddler tees that proclaim trans rights are human rights and shirts emblazoned with pronouns, plus the expected rainbow-colored merchandise in all forms, including onesie and matching sets for the whole family. Now, that's bad enough, you know, having uh, having these clothes for children, this family. <laughs> I have a toddler. The idea of me putting her in a shirt that says trans rights are human rights is absurd. It's absurd because no one's saying that trans people should not have human rights, right? Well, no that, one is saying that's that. That's one part of the absurdity. But yeah. it's also like... If you believe that, wear a shirt 
that wear wear an adult sized t shirt that says that. Don't make your kid wear the slogan that they first of all they don't understand. And second of all, it's you're you're twisting the definition of obviously what men and women are. That's the point. So you're it's it's literally meant to confuse people so that nothing is clear and it's all uh, a spectrum and it's the genderbred person and the gender unicorn. We'll talk more about that. But yeah. but the the merchandise isn't just Pride Month shirts. It gets worse. Right. It's not just Pride Month shirts. Oh, no. Um, Target is also providing uh, binders, chest binders uh, in their in their new line. And there, there are other things that they're providing. I'm not going to get into the details of those, um, like Pride packing underwear, but I'm going to specifically talk about the chest binding uh chest binding line because I think that's most applicable, especially for me as a woman, um, to discuss. I, again, content warning, I'm going to quickly read you what chest binding is from the uh, publication of medical, the me- a medical publication. This is online and I will have it on the screen for you guys. This is from an abstract that was recently done, not peer reviewed because no peer reviewed studies have been done um, that assess the health impacts of, of chest binding. Yet this is a this is a medical abstract. It defines chest binding as the following. Um, Chest binding involves the compression of chest tissue for masculine gender expression among people assigned a female sex at birth, particularly. You can kind of unpack what that Yeah, yeah, I got to finish the sentence and then I'll unpack it. Particularly transgender and gender nonconforming individuals. So really what this is saying here is chest binding involves the um, flattening, the crushing, I would say, of a woman's breast so that um, they can appear to be male to the general audience, to the people mm-hmm. that they're seeing on a daily basis. Um, so this is a, fem- a woman who is uh, biologically female that wishes to appear male, and so she is actively crushing her breasts, and chest binding is a way to do that. And uh, so Target is providing these chest binders. Now, I want to quickly talk, before I talk about how they're targeting children with these chest binders, I want to talk more about what chest binding actually does. Because you might think, okay, well, maybe it's like maybe it's like a sports bra that's a little bit tighter. Well, no, actually, there's some serious side effects that can come from wearing these chest binders. The New York Times, actually, again, I'll have this article on the screen, and I'll have it linked in the description, recently admitted that although wearing binders is temporary, their use can be associated with later medical transition. So wearing these binders often does lead to people deciding to fully transition. Not only that, but they say the New York Times again, which is very uh, progressive leaning, says that people who use binders report symptoms like back and chest pain, overheating and shortness of breath. Now, the fact that they admit that at all is pretty astounding to me. Not, but, but they don't even go as far as to explain the other more serious health complications that can come. Um, if you go on Twitter or Reddit, you're going to see a lot of different people who have unfortunately transitioned or who have worn chest binders for years. You're going to see a lot of people coming out and, and talking about the detrimental effects that it actually had on their mental health and their yeah. physical health. Of course it does. Of course it does. I mean, if you're doing that, um, then that's, that's something that's really terrible to your body. Um, one girl on Twitter tweets out, I'm not going to put her username on the screen because I think that would be inappropriate, but she tweeted out, um, as someone lucky enough to avoid serious harm, um, but who was binding daily for years and now co- has constantly difficult breathing, um, difficulty breathing. That's just part of her tweet. Um, but she talks about how it's really difficult to breathe on a daily basis because of what she of, of the binding that she experienced every uh, many many days in a row um, when she was younger. She also tweets, there's no form of long-term rib compression that's fully risk-free. The fact that it's so expected, especially for younger trans people, is terrifying. So this is someone who actually went through this and is saying it's actually terrifying that this is becoming expected and normalized. 
So that's clearly very disturbing. Um, I'm not even reading the most disturbing things. I mean, if, if you feel the need to, you can go and do this research for yourself. But I want to read one more thing that just highlights how a lot of people that have worn chest binders um, are actually traumatized from this physically, both physically and mentally. This is from another user on Reddit who, a different user, I should say, on Reddit, and um, she is talking about the normalization of chest binding. She says, I believe that for many people, binding makes existing chest dysphoria worse, not better. Once you see yourself with a flat chest, once you see yourself with this binding on your breast, you believe it needs to be flatter. It becomes so much more offensive to your senses to see your unbound chest when you've experienced hiding it with a degree of success. And I think that, while sometimes painful, the pressure of the binder can become addictive in its own way, self-soothing in the same way as a height hug or a weighted blanket. Binding also harms breasts, of course, and when breasts look and feel worse than they did before because of sagging and or texture changes, that can heighten awareness of them and intensify dysphoria as well. Once you start binding, it can be difficult to stop for so many reasons. Now, there's a lot more that she goes into, um, but I want to stop there because that in and of itself is very dark and disturbing to hear, very truthful but hard to hear, that someone, and many people have come out and said this, this isn't just like one person that I cherry-picked, lots of people are saying this, that actually when you start binding your chest, when you start binding your breast, I should say, you you become addicted to this because you're like, okay, I want to appear like I'm a man and now I have some success in doing that, and then you want to continue doing that and that eventually has studies have shown that that leads to actually undergoing transition Mm -hmm. which is truly irreversible and i mean this damage as we've seen just of chest binding could be argued that that is irreversible too because it leads to often long-term side effects of shortness of breath pain in your rib cage and even just this mental component of of feeling like you're born in the wrong body so here's the here's the point i really want to make and then i'm going to move on to how how kids are being impacted by this because it's bad enough that adults are are undergoing this but it's far worse that kids are being targeted Mm -hmm. um this is from target's website they say comfort starts from within and this line helps you to be true to you now here's here's what's so disturbing and disgusting about this they're claiming that this chest chest binding along with the other products they're providing are they're claiming this is comfortable for people this isn't comfortable first and foremost just let's talk about just the the emotional aspect of this people are um, severely unwell when they're thinking about binding their breasts, they are not in the right frame of mind. I mean, we need to have compassion and love for them. We don't need to tell them, you know what, you're struggling with this body dysphoria and the solution for you is for for us to help you hurt your body further. That's not loving. Um, We've talked about this before in the podcast. Abigail Schreier points out that if someone's struggling with anorexia, the most unloving thing you can do is to go to them and say, that's right, you are so fat that I'm going to help you starve yourself. I'm going to give you laxatives. That would be so unloving. But this is exactly what Target's doing. They're saying, you know, you're struggling with with this mental illness. You think that you are a a man or you you want to look like a man. You're unhappy with your body. Let me give you something that's going to hurt you namely chest binders. And they're saying that this is comfortable. This is not comfortable, as we've heard from people who have truly worn chest binders. This isn't comfortable. Um, and they are also claiming in this statement that it helps people to be true to themselves. They said it helps you to be true to you. Now, this is just so ironic, Moses, because this whole movement is talking about about be true to you, follow your heart, you know, be yourself. But in reality, it's helping... They, what, reality, what Target should be doing and what everyone else in the world should be doing is looking at these people that have been made in the image of God and saying, you know what? You were born as a, as a biological woman or you were born as a biological male. And being true to yourself is embracing that. It's embracing that you are a biological male or a biological woman. Right. Being true to yourself isn't going undergoing these forms of irreversible damage. One, 
like chest binding or two, actually transitioning. That's not loving. It's not helping them be true to themselves. It's actually helping them to be true to something that is a dysphoria in their brain that is actually a mental illness that is not helping them. So um, I was going uh, to, to draw yeah, yeah, go ahead deeper into that because the theological aspect is yeah. so is so apparent. As Grace said, you know, everyone, every every girl was created by God to be a girl. Every boy was created by God to be a boy, to grow up to be a man. That's how, that's how, uh, that's the vision we get from the Bible. It's true for almost everyone. So we don't even have that, uh, most people don't even feel the need to kick against that, that standard. Um, and, but our culture is such that w- when people feel the need to uh, mm-hmm. to, to fight against that, we affirm them, which is, as Grace said, the worst thing we could do. And it's it really illustrates the idea that uh, God's design for our lives is something joyful. It's something that makes us happy because when we follow in God's design, um, then we are we are we are flourishing. The the definition of human flourishing is is uh, living and working uh, for God's pleasure in the way that he's designed for us to do. So mm-hmm. uh, that's why uh, the the vision of marriage as one man and one woman mm-hmm. is important. It's the way God designed it, and that's be- and that's the only the only. The only thing that is a real marriage, also the only way to have a, a happy and successful marriage, is when it is one man and one woman, and society not some thrive. type of polygamous relationship, and certainly not some type of homosexual relationship. Mm-hmm. And and so when you when you kick against the goads, when you kick against the design that God has imprinted on our souls, then you will not only be unhappy, but you will, of course, also be in sin. And of course, those things go together, sin and unhappiness. And so we we really are seeing a societal trend that is pushing young girls. And you'll notice that all of these clothes are for girls, um, not not boys. So Moses, I really want to emphasize one more time that this um, this chest binding isn't just something that's going to be, op- these chest binders, I should say, are not just offered for adults. They're offered for children. This is an, a clothing line for people of all ages, and um, it really is devastating. It's devastating to see my generation undergo such this, this terrible thing. Someone yeah. tweeted out on Twitter, um, oh, maybe, maybe teens who still shop with mom will be able to grab this, a chest binder, and tell mom it's a sports bra. <laughs> that could improve accessibility for a lot of non-binary kids. Um, that's, that's something someone tweeted out. And then another thing. So not only are you uh, like, in, uh, Target is encouraging this by putting this on the shelf, but they're also encouraging, uh, potentially encouraging kids to hide this from their parents. Right. And Target didn't tweet that out, but a, ran- a person on Twitter did. The, the idea is that Target is making this, this accessible to children, which is disgusting. Uh, someone else tweeted out. It is impactful that people will have access to binders in a physical big box store now. Teens can access them privately without worrying about mail interception. This should have happened ages ago. Excuse me, this should have happened ages ago? It should have happened ages ago that underage girls that are suffering with thinking that they that their body, that they, they are in the wrong body, should have access to these body-altering um, garments or devices, I should say. I, I just think, you know, the something I've been thinking about a lot, and I think other people have brought this up too, other conservatives, but um, the fact that in China, women's feet used to be bound. We're not progressing or learning from history. I already made this point with abortion. It's not progressive to advocate for the murder of preborn. Likewise, of the preborn. Likewise, it's not progressive to advocate that women should, that underage, especially underage girls, should have access to 
these sorts of things that harm their bodies. It's not progressive at all. In fact, we're going back to the dark ages mm -hmm. um, in, in normalizing this. And I, I just think, you know, the solution here, I think Moses, you were touching on earlier, is it's Christ. Like that's the only solution that we Absolutely. can offer this world, right? Yeah. Um, and in the midst of, you know, all of this, it, it really is depressing, honestly, to have to be able to comment on this because um, it's not really something I desire to comment on um, and, and to like dig into and to research. I, it, I think that you know if I if I wasn't a Christian I'd be really, I'd be I would be depressed to like beyond the point of return if I wasn't a Christian. I, I think I would <laughs> I would too. I want to say something about like how we can respond as yep, Christians when 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 our friends and uh, potentially our our relatives uh, or even our, our children uh, if for those of us who are older um, deal with this in in their own lives when you have someone who comes up to you and says. You you know I you knew me as a girl but now identify as a, a boy. My name is uh, my pronouns are uh, uh, uh. and it's just like so it's very tempting to acquiesce to that request mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. this is someone you love. They uh, maybe you maybe there's been a period of depression or something and maybe you think that this is going to help them and and also a lot of people are really. Uh, un understandably not into interpersonal confrontation you know right. like I don't want to tell someone that this thing that they think is so important to them is wrong and really bad for them um, and you know and yet we've we've normalized that for say confronting someone about an addiction mm -hmm. you know and, or, or confronting someone about a mental disorder mm -hmm. or something like anorexia but we need to normalize the idea that uh, confronting someone lovingly and saying, okay, I know this hurts now, me saying this, but no, I'm sorry, you're still, you're still a girl. You're still my, uh, my daughter, my niece, my, f my female friend. And me calling you this male name, me addressing you with this male pronouns is only reinforcing something that is bad for you. And because I believe so strongly that it's bad for you, I can't in good conscience do that. Mm -hmm. And it's gonna hurt that person mm -hmm. in the short term, most likely. And that's hard, but in the long term, it helps them understand, I think, that um, that that this is what needs to go on. When, when we, we look at Abigail Schreier's book, so the point, thing, I think, Grace, is when you know someone who identifies as transgender, mm -hmm. The loving thing is not to just affirm them in that. The loving th thing is to challenge them, just like you would if they told you that they were dealing with some type of eating disorder or something like that, and they, the, they were giving into it. Because when, when we read Abigail Schreier's book, mm -hmm. um, it's the parents who do not give in to the uh, child's request to do the chest binder, to call them by a new Personal name, to pronouns. use the new pronouns. Those are the parents that generally are going to see their kids and it is usually their daughters usually going to see their daughters desist is the is mm -hmm. the language no longer identify as transgender because if you affirm something you're going to get more of it and if you uh if you challenge something then the hope is that you're going to get less of it and the reason you want to do that is because it's ultimately just bad for people to think that they can tr change their sex it's something innate it's something that God created in all of us. We can't change that. And if we want to, we need to get the help we need so that we don't want to do that anymore. And yeah. our culture has just lost the plot on that. They've really, th our culture really has just 
completely reoriented what love means. They've, they've, you know, said that love equals tolerance. So if we're going to be loving, then we have to tolerate everything that's going on. It's actually not true. Um, it's so unloving to tolerate this sort of thing. I think what we need to do, Moses, you've done a great job explaining this, is we need to affirm. So if we have friends who are transgender, we need to affirm their worth. We need to affirm that we love them. We need to be so compassionate, but we can't let that compassion um, override our judgment in actually speaking the truth about uh, their gender dysphoria and the truth about their God-ordained sex and gender um, because if we fail to do that, that's actually not loving. That's not loving at all. That's like the worst thing that we could possibly do for them is fail to speak the truth. As Christians, if we don't speak the truth, then who will? This has been the Family Beacon Podcast from Grace Evans and Moses Spratchard. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to or watching this episode of the Family Beacon Podcast from Minnesota Family Council. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you're up to date on life, family, and religious freedom. You can follow us on Instagram at MN Family Council and subscribe to us on YouTube to watch our content. Get the facts, stand for truth. Thank you.